Good evening, everybody. We are here with our next session of Q&A 136 is the screen. And we thank you for the questions. We have questions from India for a change. Mm. And of course, from the rest of the world. We thank you for the questions. We ask God for the discernment, the wisdom to answer. So before we look into the questions, we shall look to the Lord in prayer. We shall thank Him. Because He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. 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 Father, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <coughs> Above you, all, Lord. Father. Post salvation, the greatest promise we have is the promise of your presence always. Thank you, Father. Thank you. You are true. Your word is true. And you know, Lord, we know you are here with us even now. So, Father, we pray for wisdom, for discernment. And we pray, Father, for the hearers too, Lord, for discernment, for understanding. The questions, the answers, both may glorify you, Lord. For in everything, the word says, Christ may receive preeminence, Lord. Amen. Thank you for today morning, for the pastor's conference, all your servants who came, all who listened online. We thank you for everyone, Lord. Now we come at this time into the hands. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, we'll start with question number two. It says, uh, no matter how many sermons we have heard, God's power has to work through us. How do we allow God's power to work in us and through us? Sometimes you wait and you draw a blank. Why? Two aspects over there. One, for the God's power to work in us and the other through us. Okay. Now, when we use the term power, we are using power here too, like using using a secular or a material example. We are using power, like electricity is power, money is power. And electricity, though the power is the same, it is used in so many different ways. We have, we have lights burning here, we have the AC running over here, we have the fan going around here. So it works out in different ways, in the same way money is power. But money can be used in so many various ways to buy so many different things. So in the same way, when you're talking about God's power, has to work through us. How do we allow God's power to work in us and through us? Sometimes you wait and draw a blank. Why? The whole, the whole, in that question is also the answer. Because the most difficult thing today, especially today's world, is to wait. Hmm. Is to wait because we live in a we, we we live in a world where everything is instant and everything has to be done fast. Everything has to be gratified now, and sometimes God's power is in waiting. His power is in waiting. We wait for the seasons. Okay, though the promises are there, there is a season of God. Though the promise was given when he was around seventeen years old, but he had to wait thirteen years. And the Bible says, those who wait on the Lord, sometimes we need power just to wait. Mm. Wait. Because if we receive anything of 
God before God's time. We push it and receive. It is from God. It is of God. It is meant for us, but we receive it before time. It will do us more harm than good. More harm than good. It will do. Like Saul was king before time. That was not God's time. The people pushed and asked for a king. And God says, they are rejecting me. Give it to them. And the, the damage that man brought to Israel and subsequent generations is... It's, it's incalculable. Yes. Yeah, incalculable actually so, because mm. they asked for something before mm. time. Was God planning to give them a king? Yes. Mm. Ultimately, he was planning yeah, to give, give them. them. But the king he was planning was not ready. Mm. That was David. He was not ready. So they got something before time. Why? Because they were not willing to wait. They were not willing. At a national level or an individual level, okay, these things come. So sometimes the power of God, one of the, like if I'm right, it is in the book of Hebrews 6, it says, Patience, you yeah, will obtain the promise. Yeah, Hebrews 6, Endurance. verse 12. Mm. Okay. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience, patience inherit the promises yeah. of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, of course we talk about faith, but faith and patience goes together. Mm. Faith and patience go together. Some things in faith happens instantaneously. Some some things don't happen instantaneously because patience is important in the kingdom of God. That is part of God's character, and that is something God wants in His in His in His in his children like uh, like one of the things which we will need as as parents is patience okay because though we we may have so many ideas and dreams you can't push your children yep. <laughs> you can push your children they have to grow they have to grow in their own pace and uh, that's why there are seasons in a person's life there is something called childhood and then there is something called youth and then something that you go into your 20s then something called in your 40s your middle age so these are seasons in life, and you cannot skip seasons. Unless there is something like an accident or something, people don't miss their seasons. But when you miss their seasons, you know what? That person does not grow normally. A child has to go through childhood. And there are certain things that are connected with childhood that a child should never miss. Because if that child misses childhood and pushed into teenage, pushed into teenage or into that what she or he should know only then okay what you push them what happens is they don't grow normally okay so childhood is a time of not so much studies okay get this clear parents childhood is a lot of play okay the children sang in the streets the bible talks about streets there is work childhood our entire education system is wrong. First, understand that. It was never God's education system. You're not supposed to sit in a classroom and sit and study from morning till evening. That was never until modern education came. Children learned from their parents. The father took the boys along, the mother took the girls along, and they learned from their parents. Even if it was a trade, that's how they learned. It was more practical than theory, and theory was there. But what the fathers passed on during the work was character. Not just how to do your job, but you need to also understand what kind of a person does this job. So there's a lot of patience involved in every stage, every stage. And actually through children, we like we have Raj here, 
Raj's baby is only a year old. You know what? Uh, Gracie doesn't need patience. Raj needs patience. And the only way Raj will learn patience is through Gracie. <laughs> because you cannot speed that child up. <laughs> there is no way. But you know what? Suddenly you will, it's only the babies come, it's only then you will realize you don't have patience. And you realize you need patience. And actually, we learn patience from them. Because mm. you know there is, there is nothing you can do about it. So the power of God is working in us and changing. But it, you see, there is electricity. But electricity is pointless unless we use it. How do we know there is electricity? Because we look up, the fans are going, you see the lights, the AC all working. So in the same way, okay, in the same way, what is the power for? The power is for first to change us. First to change us. But to change us, we need stuff outside or people outside. That is when I realize, you know what, I don't have that kind of patience. I don't have that kind of patience. But we know I can have the patience. Okay, so when you when you are a parent and you learn patience, and then God says, now you learn patience. Now apply it with others too. Now apply it. Now what is happening? Patience is working through you. So when you are a bachelor, you are a workplace, you have no patience for anybody, then you get married and you realize you've got to be patient with the weaker vessel. Then you have to be patient with the children. And then when you go to the office, you realize you're also changing because patience at the core is the same. Mm. It is the same. Only thing is application. So suddenly you realize you are becoming more patient with others because these are things where you will never learn by theory. Character is never learned by theory. It is always learned by practical. Okay. John 3.16, God so loved the world and gave his only son. Okay. <laughs> but you are not going to learn love to love by theory. I, you memorize John 3.16, confess it, proclaim it, all good. But you are going to be loving only by giving. Mm. Only by giving. Yes. Okay. Only by giving. And that's how it happens. So, God puts people in families. Then he puts families in churches. Okay? In, in the, the gods. And then we are in the society. Everywhere we learn. And the power of God has to work in us. And when the power of God works in us, it has to work through us. Okay? Basically, it is, it is, let us say, go to Galatians 5, uh, uh, the fruit of the spirit. Let us we, we look at love. Okay, twenty-two Galatians five twenty-two. The fruit of the spirit is love. Now it is a fruit. It is not a gift. Mm -hmm. It is a gift. A gift can be manifested by an unloving man. A gift can be manifested by an unloving man. But fruit. You plan today, fruit doesn't come tomorrow, it takes time. Mm -hmm. There is growth involved in it. And ultimately, this is the power of God. The power of God has to be manifested in the fruit, not in the gift. Mm. Not in the gift. Okay. So you will see, let us use Pastor Vijay's fav favorite fourth. Um, Federer has retired. We are waiting for Nadal to retire. <laughs> then Pastor Vijay will retire. <laughs> Like okay. because sometimes some idols have to retire their men. <laughs> like Sachin retired, Sachin retired from cricket. I retired from cricket. After that, no interest in cricket at all. Okay, so in the same way, you will see extremely talented people coming, but you also see when they miss a serve or something, they break their racket. Okay. Now, are they talented? Yes. Do they have character? No. They don't have character. 
Okay, so you will see that that's it. So, so you will see people like uh, they were not they were greats. You will look like uh, Sachin or Dravid or Vivius Lakshman. You will never see them losing their calm or cool in Australia mm. because Australia is where they're sledging. <laughs> okay. They as if they are gone deaf. The eyes are all on the ball. You can say, you can call them names, you can do. Otherwise, there are others like Ganguly and then Nianda and Goli and all who go to fight and all that. Okay, so some of these fans who go to fight have greater talent, be much more talented, but what they don't have, and the same principle works in the kingdom of God too. So that is the power of God working in us. Because what is what is the power? Don't look at power in terms of the gift. That is the least of the power. Yep, the least. Even Saul prophesied. <laughs> Saul prophesied. Okay, so he's like, all among the prophets. Yeah, he's all among the prophets. But we know how we ended. Yeah. Gifts are the least of the power thing. Yes, there is power involved in, and because it is a gift, everybody wants it because you know you don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You will get it. But the problem is, fruit doesn't work like mm. that. Fruit doesn't work. So there is the power of God that is manifested in the fruit. Mm. But the power of God manifested in the gift, let me tell you, when eternity comes, nobody is taking it there. Prophecies will, all the gifts will cease. Because you don't need the gifts there. But you will need the fruit there. Your fruit is going to determine eternity for you. So that is where the power of God, we have to, sometimes we draw a blank. It's because God is teaching us to wait. To wait to wait. Okay? Because sometimes we confuse the power of God with the gift. Sometimes it's instantaneous. Or with the fruit. Where you'll see nothing happens. Nothing instantaneous. Nothing <laughs> happens. Nothing happens. Okay? Because he's building on faith. We're building on trusting God. Waiting for God's time. That's what the Bible says. The day who, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Okay, but it's not time wasted. Like they will renew, like they renew the strength, and after that, it doesn't say they shall start walking, and they shall start running, and they shall start flying. No, it says they shall soar like eagles. They soar like. I mean, your time is never lost when you wait on God. It's never. Honestly, you are waiting for God. Time is never lost. It's never lost. We think as dumb time has lost. No, it is not lost, because the way. Joseph sold overnight. If he hadn't waited on God and allowed God's power to work in him, in him, he would not have risen like that. He waited. He allowed God to mold him, mold him, mold him, mold him, mold him. And when he was ready in God's sight, not in Joseph's sight, even at the eleventh year, he was not ready. God knew he was not ready. In one day, he was out of the dungeon in the palace before, before. Before the king, he was ready. And his wisdom shows he was ready. And the next thing you know what? He's ready now for the, not the, for the power of God to work in him. He's ready for the power of God to work through him. Through him. Now the power of God is working through, the wisdom of God is working through him. After that, the entire history for the next 80 years, it is a history of Joseph. In Egypt, Joseph is handling all the crises. Pharaoh, anything. Pharaoh is having musti. Anything, go to Joseph. Go to Joseph. Don't disturb me. Go to Joseph. Okay, it's Joseph who is handling it. But why did it happen? Because he allowed the power of God to work in us. That's how it. Sometimes you'll draw a complete blank because God says it's not time yet. 
He told the the cupbearer. He told, you know, when you are released, when you meet the Pharaoh, put in a word for me. Because it's a king's prison. And he drew a blank. <laughs> he drew a blank for two years. Every day when the there is the gates opening, he'll be thinking, it's my release. He's put in a word. He's not going to put in a word. Because God caused him to forget. Because God's time hasn't come. So he's drawing a blank. But in the process, you know what? Because God has a plan for him. And God has a purpose for all of us. Everyone, God has a purpose and a plan for us. But in God's timing. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, in his time, he makes all things beautiful. And sometimes you will realize, you know, sometimes you will see, like in the case of the person who asked this question, it is from, it's from the Americas. The person is not a young person, it's a much more older person. Okay, so let me say, you get saved when you are, let us say, pretty old, not very young, pretty old, and you are all out for God, all out for God. The next years of your life is going to be absolutely intense, simply because you don't have time on your side to build the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So God is going to put pressure on your life. So that he can work out. You can work out your salvation and not miss your reward. God sees your zeal. God sees you are real. God sees you are genuine. But everybody has to go through a process to get to their mm. crown. Yeah. And for you, you lost time. You lost time. Let us say you get saved. You get saved at 17, like Joseph. Awesome. Like Saul, young man. Like David, young man. Wow, you got time on your side. But on the other hand, you get saved at 80. Now, time is not your friend. Time is against you. Time is against you. Why? Because by the time you get saved at 80, you already have in your mind all the ways in which the system works, the world system works. That's the way you were, you were, you were brought up. Oh, that's where your life, your, all that. You had ethical practices. All those things are there, but you did not have God. Now at 80, God suddenly appears in your life. And now you only have this much time left, five years, six years, whatever. But you don't have the time of a 17-year-old person. So you know what? Because you're very serious about God, it's going to be intense. It's going to be absolutely intense. It is not going to be easy. Aaron does not have time to mature. Aaron, if he has to be the high priest and finish well, he will have to mature so fast, he will have to run into the fire run into the middle of the plague and stop the plague. The question is, will you have, you who made the idol when Moses was absent, will you change fast enough to run and stop the plague? And he does. So Aaron finishes well. It's not that Aaron finishes wrong. No, he, finish, he runs. He runs when the plague is killing the people. and Wave after wave of people are dying. Moses cannot make intercession because he's not, not the, the priest. priest. He's yeah. not the high priest. Mm -hmm. high priest. The question is, does he have the character? to do it and he does. He takes his answer, gets it and runs into the plague and the plague stops. And he's up he becomes a type of Christ Jesus who stands in the middle and stops death. No one said other dead on the other side of the living. Who's standing between the dead and the living? Aaron is standing in the so you realize he changed. He didn't change when he was 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60. He changed after 83. Because when Moses met him in the wilderness, he was 83 years old. So he didn't have much time to change, but he changed. So that's what God is talking about. Sometimes he will draw a blank because, yes, God says, learn, 
learn patience learn to wait learn how the spirit works because we are uh, what we call we are rattled by time only because we are caught in time time yes yes but god is not god is like when gracie throws a tantrum raj is not bothered <laughs> why because raj has grown up <laughs> okay now if you notice let us put gracie here and put a 3 year old another baby over here if gracie were to cry very loudly the 3 year old would look very upset and look at gracie you know because it does not understand what is happening and it is getting all rattled by the other one but the parents will be laughing okay so what made the difference the reaction of the 3 year old and the parents because the parents realized nothing will happen in the time they had they have learned these things are all normal nothing is going to happen over here but the 3 year old doesn't know so it is it will come and say you know if you have another child who is 3 years old come and say baby is crying baby is just thing is all very panicked it will try all kind of things over there yeah well, josh will do with rema no why because it doesn't understand well you will be sitting and laughing it's so so cute so cute so cute you will say that's the way it is so god doesn't get rattled by our pressures <laughs> he doesn't get rattled he says chill Okay, be still. I'm working it all out. I'm all working it out. So sometimes you draw, will draw a complete blank, but that is the that is that is a fundamental uh, thing which we need to realize because you need to understand one of the fundamental qualities of leadership because that's what God is preparing His children for. We are so called to reign with Him forever. Reigning means leadership is not to buckle under pressure. buckle under pressure because if you buckle under pressure buckle under pressure and finally you will see both moses and aaron buckle under pressure the pressure was coming coming the handle it handled then one day they both lost it both of them the bible says yeah. both of them lost it and so they, they spoke them. rashly mm-hmm. and they struck the rock okay the pressure got on to them but that is the key is the key you cannot let pressure because if you're going to reign on earth for a thousand years unredeemed people you can't get pressure get on you because you cannot rule in any other way without manifesting the the character of Christ because Jesus visibly personally is going to rule from Jerusalem so everyone who rules for a thousand years represents him So you will have no excuse to say then oh that was my flesh because you don't have flesh mm. but you need to have character yeah you need to have character just because you got a new body does not Amen. get does not mean you have the character yes. that character was earned here mm. that character was earned here it is not earned there the character the flesh was the old so the flesh itself though it is our enemy is the one we are fighting and the fight with our flesh is the fight that will develop our character Okay, in the new body where there is no flesh, you cannot develop character because there is no battle. So all our character is going to be formed here. It is going to be formed here, and God will judge whether we can rule or not. And one of the things which kings will need is patience, lot of patience, and kindness, and mercy, and tolerance. We don't tolerate evil, but you need tolerance, a loving people. to grow because even the youngest will be 100 years old in the in that millennial Millennial nobody is going to die early everybody is going to going to uh, going to live long and second thing 
today we are we we are uh, we are able to live as a community and be kind to each other because our understanding is limited understanding is limited it's limited by god because we see partially there we are not seeing partially we see fully see if we all know each other fully i don't know how many of us will like each other yeah, yeah, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> okay how many of us will like you know oh, this is what you are okay there imagine you are a saint and you see them you see them and you still have to be patient and you still have to be patient you still have to be kind okay is this is what you are and you realize this is the patience of god okay now the simple question is god knows when he tells noah to build the ark only eight are going to be saved so why be patient for it for 120 years think about it but that is God's god good, that's what that is yeah. he is that is god the exactly. patience of god okay so god says you have read the end of the book yes lord at the end of the book how many years will my son rule a thousand years at the end of the thousand years what will they do yeah, oh yeah. satan will be released they will be all gathered and go against the sin so do you really have a patience for a thousand years with this people who will turn against my son i don't think i have it right you don't have it my son has it so you need to have it because if you're going to rule for a thousand years a set of people who are going to turn against god so he will say many times you will draw a blank it's not drawing a blank i'm teaching you one of the most valuable lessons in the kingdom of god patience perseverance endurance you will need these three to reign and that is the key he who endures till the end shall be saved it's not talking about salvation as such these are the ones who will finish well who will finish well you know that is why grandparents are sometimes much better with grandchildren because when they were parents they did not have patience but then they learned by the time their grandparents grandchildren they come see. they are easy they realize yeah, i went through it all <laughs> see, no problem <laughs> yeah they have a lot of patience with, with children no issues at all because you know what they have come through the process the process yes pastor vijay pastor because we're talking about reigning in the millennium there's a question um uh question number 5 is talking about different uh, levels in heaven okay. are there different levels? are there different levels in heaven because you being a pastor and giving up everything for god leaving all the worldly pleasures and enjoyment etc and one random guy who is enjoying life and of a sudden he meets with an accident in the hospital at final stage of his life here he is hears about god and finally confesses his sins and goes to heaven mm. it's not it's like it's not right to go to the same place in heaven then that means god is not is being partial to some people maybe the judgment will be different but they cannot go to the same place in heaven there has to be levels that a person should be kept in according to a person and his past okay do you agree yeah okay yeah now <laughs> 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 take me out of out there you being a pastor giving up everything for god first thing you need to realize you don't give up for for being a pastor it never happens there are, there are pastors who haven't given up anything <laughs> okay. so it's got nothing to do with being a pastor okay it is it is for a, it's not a giving up everything it's giving up what god tells you to give up okay what god tells you to give up okay uh, worldly pleasures everybody is asked to give up 
It's not pastors who are not. He says, love not the world or the things of the world because if you love the things of the world, the love of the you won't be able to experience it. You won't be able to experience it. So that's basically okay. So when you talk about one random guy who was enjoying it, suddenly he meets with an accident and he dies. Okay. So we have a very good example of that is one of the thieves that was crucified with Jesus. He believes in the last one. We call it deathbed confession, whatever. Yes. So he he is he saved? Yes. For Jesus said, you shall be with me in paradise today. You shall be with me with paradise. And he reaches paradise, yes. The simple question is, uh, go, go further up the question, okay? Now, we are talking about levels and uh, he should be kept in a level. I don't want to see it as more, though mystics talks about levels, I would rather see it as a heaven is a realm. Okay, heaven is a realm. Okay, now, let us put this, let me make it very, very simple. Okay, let's make it very, very simple. Okay, take, let us say, we start with Gracie, who is one year. Josh is four. Yeah, Josh is four. You take a one year. You take Josh is four. You take another who is 15. And then you take another who is 25. And then you take another who is like 50 years who has traveled the world Take different people. Give them all the same chocolate. Hmm? Good daiva. Now to Gracie, good daiva or sugar, it is the same. Hmm. Right? Josh also, he may take good daiva and say, I don't like it, give me something else. Okay? Rasgulla. Okay? To somebody who's here who has not tasted Lind or Godiva or something else, taste different. But to somebody who has traveled mm-hmm. and tasted all chocolates, they will say, if you are given, they will say, I will take it. So our capacity to enjoy God in heaven will not be the same. Mm. That is what heaven is. It's not the same. That is what it is talking about. Because when we move into the other realm, we will realize it is about God. Mm. In His presence, in His right hand, there is pleasures and joys forevermore. It will differ according to how we have known God here. God here. That is why God says, the enemy will trap you by causing you to love things and find enjoyment with things. And what will happen is that you will not learn to enjoy God over here. Suddenly you are transported over here. The most precious thing, gold, is on the footpath over here. You realize things have no meaning at all there because you have become a new person with a new body. And what is Actually, enjoyment is to understand God and allow God to work through you because that if you, if you, what do you call it? If you actually read about what life in heaven would be like, you get these pictures of the millennium realm and from there you can get some pictures of what heaven is going to be like and you will realize, you know what? Most people will not have the capacity to enjoy God and it will be a loss. A terrible loss. Terrible loss. Okay? And that's what it's talking about. It's just not about levels. It is not about levels. It is about enjoying God. It is about enjoying God. Okay, now let us take 
a simple telugu boy who goes for telugu movies where it is dishim 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 and put him to watch schindler's list he will be so restless <laughs> why did you bring me for this no <laughs> because he doesn't enjoy it at all enjoy it at all okay now we 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 talk about no we talk about i mean that's part of culture but actually it is irrelevant in this mod in in eternity it is relevant like you know people who drink wine okay and they will talk about the various kinds of wine there are people who can take one sip and tell you which orchard it comes from or which vineyard it comes from which country it's come from yep. so this is italian that's french and this is the, they can make it out well, you know why but to an average fellow who has never drunk all of it drinks taste the same okay and he will say i don't like this can you give him the cheap one <laughs> <laughs> okay so you look at it that is what it is going to be that is why god is see god in his goodness and in his kindness and his mercy is saying would you please enjoy me now get to know me now walk with me now learn of me now so that in eternity uh, you don't miss out you don't miss out ultimately i believe eternity goes through people will people will uh, keep growing changing and all but I do believe there will be a lot of regret in heaven. Hmm. Lord of regret among believers there will be. A lot. Let us let us talk about this case about the most famous parable in the Bible about the prodigal son, right? So the father divided the inheritance and he gave it to both of them and the young fellow made it into money he went out he had a blast he finished it all he reached his dead end from there he comes to his senses and then he turns back he comes his father receives him gives the best robe the ring everything and then the elder son is very upset and he said you don't even give me a skinny goat and all that but do you know what the father says all that i have is yours you remember that line all that I have is yours your brother blew it away let's give him love him as a son as a brother let him live with us but his blown his in- inheritance away you know get that mm. you didn't blow your inheritance away mm. lot of people the bible makes it very clear in corinthians 3 will reach in heaven having blown their inheritance away that's why god is talking about run the race in such a way to win it overcomers 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 mm. overcomers but the ball blinds it and people will say it doesn't matter even if i just enter it is okay let me have a good time here god says this good time is for how many years mm. and who teaches it best the fellow who had a good time called solomon <laughs> read his 12th chapter and you will realize the regret <laughs> the regret everything is vanity everything tastes empty and then in the book of ecclesiastic he says okay verse 12 he gives a solid pure gold advice <laughs> 12 verse 1 onwards first thing remember your creator in the days of your youth don't get trapped before difficult days come and the years draw near when you say i have no pleasure in them while the sun and the light the moon and the stars are not darkened the clouds do not return after the rain in the day when the keepers of the house tremble the strong men bow down when the grinders cease because they are few and those that look through the windows grow dim meaning what did you spend your life 
for the pleasures of this this body your eyes your ears your teeth basically indulging now you are old you are not able to see well that pleasure is gone you are not able to hear well that pleasure is gone your grinders are gone you are not able to enjoy anything and you are miserable because your life was tuned to it not with god but those who those who understood early in life and found their enjoyment in the lord when they are very old and practically very weak like john in the island of patmos saying in the lord's day i was in the spirit he still enjoying god he is enjoying god much more now than he ever did because his focus was right he is not sounding like this this is what god is talking about this is the danger we need to realize so solomon's experience becomes a lesson for millions of people later because if anybody went after the pleasures had a good time like the young man wrote in that question solomon had a good time but now he is old everything is there he is still king he is still powerful all the things he wanted when he was in the youth in is still there but you have pleasure in nothing and the second thing you have no pleasure in god too because you wasted that away <laughs> you blew that away all you can give is advice fear the lord and do keep his commands which is the whole purpose of god he said he said miserable old man that's not the way that's not the way he should have ended that's not the way david ended david did not end like you never see solomon sitting in his bed and telling rehoboam what he should do and nothing absolutely nothing to say that's not david david is finishing his life well he calls he anoints solomon he hears from the lord the spirit of god gave me this is the blueprint for the temple everything he gets the resources he gets the plan he gets the resources all solomon has to do is execute it hmm. when did david do it in his last days yes because he enjoyed god right and from his youth right from his youth but solomon in the youth he enjoyed and then he flipped and he went on the other side and that's what god is talking about we have to think about life that way the problem is the world has been made by the devil the, the world the, the world is a very poor fake substitute of heaven okay okay it's a very poor fake substitute okay which is what you call uh, it flatters to deceive it flatters it is like imitation gold everybody will say wow but try it when you are in need try to take it to the bank and sell it <laughs> they'll say take it please get out from here this is fake why are you brought it over here okay and you will re- it is like that the world is fake the world actual world is fake everything the world offers is fake there's nothing genuine about it if it was genuine it would last let me tell you a simple thing okay let me tell you Let us say you have your child's birthday party, birthday party. Okay. Let us say food was great, everything was great. Uh, how long will you uh, remember it? The food? It's gone. What do you remember? The enjoyment. The people. The people. The enjoyment with the people. Mm-hmm. That's what you remember. That you remember. You remember. Yeah. First birthday, I remember. 
I remember. I can still remember. Noella, first birthday. The chair is still there in my mother's room. She puts her feet on it. I still remember. When it was unwrapped, she wanted to come and sit it. And wherever we went, the chair falls. <laughs> my chair. Second birthday. Third, you can remember. What do you remember? You don't remember even what you served the first birthday or second. You don't remember what you served. What the body enjoyed, you did not remember. But what the soul enjoyed, the people, that is what you enjoy. Okay, And that's what the Bible is talking about. Be very careful. The world is a setup. Mm. The world is a setup. That's what the Bible says in 1 John and chapter 2 and verse 17 very clearly says the world and its desires or the lust. The world is passing away and the lust of it. It's passing away. But he who does the will of God abides forever. It's passing away. And the devil once, he, he will trap you into it. He will trap you into it. Okay, that is why when we looked on last Sunday, one of the fundamental things every day is found in Hebrews 4, is to labor to enter into his rest. Rest, in the kingdom of God, rest mm. comes first, mm. then only work. Your work comes from first, you will never rest, and never enjoy your work also. Yep. But if rest comes first, you have entered into God's rest, then the work, you find pleasure in your work. Because you suddenly realize, one, you can work. Second, it's God who is working. Three, the most thing, you are not responsible for the results. Now, mm. all of you work in the IT, you are responsible for your results. That is why there is tension, right? There is tension. But in the work, when God does, you are not responsible for the results. You are only responsible for, for how, you, mm. how you executed Paul plans, Apollo's waters. Increases in God's hands. Increases in God. And the world has been formulated by the devil in such a way you are responsible. And it's a responsibility no man can handle. That's why there is no pleasure. You don't have consistent days. Some days you are good because the work went out well. Some days you are down because the work did not work. But when God does it, there is no issues. No issues. Because you are not responsible for the result. You are only responsible for being faithful. That's all you can do. At the end of the day, the question is, uh, where are you faithful? Mm. Where are you faithful? Where are you faithful? That's the only thing. Where are you faithful? Lord, you told me to do this, Lord. Mm. Did I do it the way you wanted? You can't bring the results. The results are not in your hands. Results are. And you never even know how the results work. Because the results may not be even in your time. Mm. It may be in another, the results may be seen in another generation. You may not even know how it will happen. You may minister for 30 years and at the end of the day, you don't see anything. You'll say, at the end of the day, I had only three converts, real genuine converts. And you die. The next generation, you will see these three converts change a nation. Okay. But in your time, you saw nothing. <laughs> But those generations, like if you look at, I mean, if you look at really, really with physical human eyes, Jesus finishes a failure. Paul finishes a failure. You read the Bible, Jesus finishes a failure. If you look at history, here is a man naked, died on the cross, everybody rejected him. The result is afterwards. Hmm. He changes the world upside down. Hmm. When Paul dies, he dies 
rejected by his church. All of Asia has rejected me. Nobody is visiting me. One or two people visit and find him. He is executed. It looks that he is finished. But before he is finished, he has written a few letters. Which are called the epistles. The church is built on those letters for 2,000 years church is built. So people would look at this man lying in prison and say what a waste of a talented preacher. But that was the most profitable time in his life because the letters are written from the prison. So we will not see when we are living what we are doing. We have to live it to God. Live it to God. Okay, all Most of his letters are prison letters. These are letters written from the prison. But if you were a very powerful church planter, apostle, gifts and miracles and preaching, you will see this is the, what a waste of a Pache, blessed life. He's simply lying in prison. Lord, release him. Lord, release him that he may have a fruitful ministry. And he's not getting released. He says, you don't understand my ways. Mm. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than, greater than your thoughts. He says, you know what? He's having a fruitful ministry. Mm. But what, Lord? He's just writing letters which are going taken around and being read. And when it is being read, I believe half of the people don't even understand what is being read. Because to understand Paul's letter, you need to have a copy and you have to sit with that and meditate on it. But this is for the years to come, generations to come. One day it will be canonized and it will be said God spoke. <laughs> so you don't see stuff now. And this is where we need to be be very, very careful about. So when God says, do not love the world, or the things in the world, because what will happen, it will steal something from you. The love. Because two loves cannot exist in the same time. Cannot. It cannot exist. It's not possible. Two loves can. Because by by nature, they are different. You cannot love God and the world at the same time. Cannot. So God says, don't love it. If you love it, you will miss the love of the Father. You miss the love of the Father. The problem is when you reach over there, the entire atmosphere is saturated by the love of the Father and you realize I'm not able to enjoy it. You're like the person who was given Godiva and you threw it away <laughs> and went for the local Rasgulla. Okay. What is Rasgulla? It is a sugar. <laughs> Why? Because you spoiled your tongue with rasgulla, with sugar. Now you can only enjoy sugar. You cannot enjoy anything else. That's what God is talking about. Okay. So there is, the Bible says, the Bible talks about it. Okay. It is not going to be the same. It cannot be the same. It is, it, then it wouldn't be fair. Like God is a righteous God. He's yep. a just God. He who overcomes inherits all. And we need to work on that term. Is. That's why God uses so many different kinds of illustrations in the Bible. He's a builder. He's a farmer. He talk, I mean, he's talking about this race. He talks about building. He talks about the farmer. He talks about the athlete. He talks about the soldier. Why does he use so many illustrations connected with the race? Because he say that's how important it is. You will need all these characteristics. Mm. How does an engineer build? He has to build carefully, otherwise when the shaking comes, it will collapse. How does the farmer does? He has to have great patience because after he has planted, he has to watch. And only in its season, the, 
the crop will come. You need patience. When you're athlete, you need to be absolutely focused. You have to run according to the rules. When you are a soldier, you don't get involved in civilian affairs. Your entire job is to listen to the orders and please your So all these pictures are there given in the Bible. Why? Because the reward is great. So it is not like like a normal man. A farmer does not have to be an athlete. An athlete does not have to be a soldier. soldier. A soldier does not have to be an engineer. But the you child of God has to be everything. Mm-hmm. Has to be everything. Mm-hmm. He has to know how to build like an engineer. He needs to know how to farm like a farmer. He needs to know how to run like an athlete. He knows what it is to be a soldier and not a civilian. He needs to know it all. Suddenly you realize, okay, this race is so big. Mm. It is so important and you get one chance to run this race, this life. This is not talking about salvation. This is talking about post-salvation. The devil knows that. The devil knows that. So he he gets this vicarious pleasure in messing up God's children. Vicarious. So he messes up God's children. And don't get fooled by him. Don't get fooled by him. Run your race. Yes. I think you also answered question number four, mm-hmm. I think, in this process, because question number four says, how do you define Christian success? Okay, if success. Okay, this mm-hmm. is also from Hyderabad. Because success means different. The problem is, when you talk about success, ultimately, success is going to be defined in eternity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it does not matter how successful you are on earth. Mm-hmm. Okay? Ultimately, the parameters of success is going to to be defined in eternity, eternity. Okay. Now the problem with the problem with um, in the world is uh, in the in the world is we confuse success with talent. Yeah. Talent. Okay. Have you noticed that uh, post that era, the David Sachin, that era. We don't find cricketers who last. That's it. It's over. <laughs> okay. We don't find cricketers who last. No. We don't. Know. How many cricketers do we know who, after that, who have played till 38, 39 and all, consistently? We don't find anybody left. What is the problem? The problem is we're confusing talent with character. Okay. Successful people who have worked on their talent and yet worked on their character. Okay. Worked. Both. They have to work on both. Okay. Otherwise, your team will, uh, you will be dropped out of the team if you lo- lo- lose your touch. Okay. Lose your touch. So you have to work on both. And that's what the Bible is saying. The righteous are like those who are planted. Even in their old age, they produce fruit. Hmm. They produce fruit. Okay. That is what success is. That is what success is. Okay. And you need to know also what you are. The opening batsman, if you're using in terms of a sport of a like of, of cricket, the opening batsmen need need to know what their job is. What is their job to take the shine off? Mm-hmm. That is their job. That is their job. Now, everybody cannot be a shivak. There's only one shivak. Don't try to be a shivak. Okay. Shivak did not take the shine off, he took the bowler's <laughs> head off. <laughs> Okay. Now, he was one of these rare kinds of openers. Mm. Rare kinds of openers. But that is not what an opener is supposed to be. Yeah. In a test match, they probably in yeah, a few some, years, some few years, test match will also be taken out because there will be nobody left to watch test match. Because people don't have 
they cannot be tested anymore. Neither the players nor the audience. <laughs> because it's, they cannot be tested. I mean, it's a five-day match. Who has, the, who has the caliber to play for five days or to watch it for five days? Nobody has it anymore. So soon test match will go. Okay. From T20, we'll end up in T10, T10, T5. Okay. All kinds of crazy things because we don't have, you see, the, the way sport is changing, sport is changing itself is a sign of the times. Okay. Like in India, the biggest game is, of course, is cricket. Okay. The biggest game is cricket. The way cricket has changed simply tells you People have changed. Yeah. Because people change, they change the sport. They change the sport. Okay. And it is a test for us. So people who grew up with the old this thing, when they look at the game, they give it up. They say, I don't want to watch this game. Yeah. Because it's a mockery of the game. I it is, it is, it is not a game. It is no longer a game. They're fooling with us. We don't watch this game. Okay. It is just commerce. It is entertainment. And it's not even entertainment. Okay, because entertainment is where there was a battle of character. Yeah, okay, there's a battle of character. Okay, now how many of today's generation would be able to watch the first day of a test cricket where at the end the score was like 100 without loss? Wow, at the end of the day, under the fierce attack that guy plodded and plodded and plodded and plodded and plodded and plodded. How many can battle? Very few can battle, but that is the test of his character. Can you hang in over there? Can you hang in over there? Can you hang in over there? Handle it. Wait, that is your job. Handle it. Just stay there. One down, two down, the real fellows will come. But you need to give them a start. Take the shine off. But that's not how game is given. They just swing the bat at anything. Okay, that's how our children play. So you need to realize life also has been given. Nobody is, nobody is, has understood today like when you go to work. We, everybody works today. And today work, the employer also is only looking for output. Output. Just get it somehow before the deadline. Mm-hmm. That's all he cares. But that was not what work was meant to be. Work was the, was the place where your character was formed. Every place God has given us places. He has given us one, the home. The other place, the church. The third place is the workplace. These three places defined how you became a person. Became a person. And you will realize that's where you became a person. Your character was defined in those places. It was not basically the work you did. Let me ask you this question. When we read about uh, Joseph in Potiphar's house or in the prison, do we really know what was the work he did? We don't know what the work he did, but we know the man he became. Hmm. We don't know. But today that's not a, he's in IT, he's this thing. Nobody knows a man who's working there. We are defined by the work we do, but Joseph is defined by the man he became. Hmm. That is success. That is success. Hmm. That is where we have forgotten. Hmm. That is what we have forgotten. Hmm. That is what we have forgotten. And that is where we need to realize Okay, so what happens is when the Pharaoh has a crisis, and the crisis is what is remembered is there was a Hebrew boy. There was a Hebrew boy, and I had a crisis in the prison, and it was the Hebrew boy who helped me. Basically, that's coming. He had a gift, but he has no compassion, and he's so caught up in himself. Poor me. 
I never did anything in my father's house and I was sold by my brothers. I never did it anything in Potiphar's house and I was falsely accused. Poor me, worn to me, and he's sitting there depressed and discouraged. His gift would have been hidden. That's not who he is. On that day, he looks at two people and sees the tension in their faces. Mm. And he says, why are you upset? Mm. He's not working. Please remember, he's not working. He's not working. He's doing something more than his work. His character is being displayed. That is a kind, compassionate man who has learned to see others suffer and wants to comfort them. That is the key. It's not that he interpreted the dream. That's not the key. If he had been focused in his own misery, he would not even have interpreted the dream because he would not have seen somebody's misery. So he became a man. He became a vessel over there. Vessel over there. This is the key. In Potiphar's house, the key is that he's given, he's given an opportunity as a young man to indulge in his fancy. And he says, no, I won't do it. I can't do it. And he's very polite in the way he does it. He cannot do it. He says, I can't do it against your master. And I cannot do it against God. And what you see in this entire, let us say, let us say, let us, let us say he went into 17, came out at 30, so that is 13 years. Let us say it was three years. Let us say he was three years in Potiphar's house. Or if you want to say, let us give it six years in Potiphar's house. Six years in his Potiphar's house. But the only thing we know of what happened in Potiphar's house is that one, his master prospered. So the way he worked, God was with him, God prospered him. The second thing is that when his character was tested, he came through. Mm. So about his work, what we know is about his character. This is a man of integrity. He's a man who is faithful to his values, what he believes. That's what we see. It's not what he worked. Well, you go into a prison where, unlike Potiphar's household, when you go into prison, are all people who are suffering. Everybody is in the dungeon. It's called a dungeon. Everybody is in chains. Everybody is suffering. And you realize he's a compassionate man. Now, we are not talking about integrity and faithfulness. Another facet of his character comes out. He's a compassionate man. He's able to see the sorrows and the griefs of others. He's not wallowing in his own misery while he's the only innocent man over there. So the facet of his character is coming. That is how you define success. Because at the end of 50 years of working, let us say you are, you, you are 50 years old and you, you have your, your, you have your role as a son, as a father, as an employee, as an employer, and character was never built into you. You're not a success. You are a failure. You're a failure. You know, yet, your company says, best employee, because you brought in this. But you are a failure in God's eyes, because neither integrity, nor faithfulness, no kindness, no patience, no compassion, no love, no none of this has been framed in you. You are still the same person. When you entered in your work, you were get head, dog eat dog business. I am absolutely clear. I will get what I want, and I don't care how many people suffer in the process. I am going to sit there and work and achieve my goal. And you finish like that. And you look, and when you finish at sixty, you retire. You look around. You have nobody around you. Yes, you're all, all by yourself. You're yeah. all by yourself. Hmm. You're all by yourself because you achieved your goal. But at the end of the life, you are a failure. You are a failure. You know what? At the end of his life, Solomon is a failure. 
you have 300 wives and 600 concubines, but nobody to spend time with. Because you're a failure. And the kingdom is in shambles. And mm. the kingdom. Mm. Okay? Nothing. You are a mess. Mm. Okay. Why? Did you achieve your dreams? Yes. Everything I put my hand into it, I succeeded. Bah. But oh. you are a failure. So that's how success is defined. So you have to, we have to look at it in God's perspective. Mm. Am I am I really successful? That's where the fruit of the spirit matters. Look into all those things. Okay, all those things. And like I said, your success is ultimately in relationships, not in work. A skilled worker you can get. Not a very difficult. Skilled worker. There are very lots of skilled workers. Okay, let me give you the give you the example. Let us take the case of a hospital. Okay, where there are patients, and there are nurses who are absolutely efficient. Yeah, but cold as ice. Very efficient. They give you a prick, you won't even know. They will come, tack, 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 done. Okay, fine. And they will go. And then there was Florence Nightingale. It's a legend. During the war, she goes with the lamp and takes care of all the patients. And do you know what the patients used to do? When a shadow fell, they used to kiss her shadow. Because that was she as a person touched their lives. Her kindness and her compassion and everything. You could have another nurse in the same thing. Tuck, 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 efficient, done and gone. But she didn't touch anybody's life. One treated the wounds, the other touched the soul. Person, yeah. mm. That's what God is talking about. So who is successful in the long run? And that's what God is talking about. Are we successful? Are we successful? What will people... That's what God is talking about. When God looks at it, He says, I will defend the city. For the sake of David. That's it. You know why? David touched God's heart. Mm. David touched God's heart. So every, even Abijah or bad king good or king. good king, Hezekiah. God all for the sake of David. All for, for the, the sake, sake of David. David. So David is passing on blessings on to his generation after generation after generation after generation. God, because the promise is the same. The promise he gives Saul. Uh, Saul, the promise he gives David, the promise he gives Rehoboam are all the same. But only David this is a promise kept till today. It's a son of David who will rule forever. Because David touched God's heart. How did he touch? He became okay, the man God was seeking. He became the man after God's own heart. And God made him according to his heart. He said, this is what I wanted a man to be like. Okay, and that's, that is success. Mm. Otherwise, we haven't succeeded. We have accomplished our goals, but we were a failure. And some people did not accomplish many of their worldly goals, but they are a success. They are a success. Okay, that's what God is talking about. So how does a Christian define success? Success is defined completely. What did you become at the end of your life? What have you become? Did you become what God? That's what the Bible says. All whom he predestined, who saved, he wants to conform them 
in the image of his son. Okay, the very John who wanted to call down fire from heaven because they refused the gospel is the one in the book of Revelation worshipping God. Patient, kind. You read his epistles. This is the man of patience and kindness and love and never compromises on truth. How did this man become that? He did. He became that man. But read him. They were sons of thunder only. That's not the way he began. The apostle of love now. Okay. Now how does he end? How does he end? So, crown. Pakka. Saul of Tarsus breathing, violent threats everywhere. How does he end? <laughs> And Everybody has for a second yeah, about, the, yeah. about the Lord. And <laughs> you read his smallest letter, letter to Philemon. Full of kindness. Okay, full of, forgive him for my sake. If he owes you anything, put it into my account. He's become Christ. <laughs> what a man is. How did he become like this? Successful. This is successful. Okay. So these are the things which you have to, because this is a very, very dangerous, ministry is a very dangerous thing. Ministry also like work is a very because in ministry people should not look at success at the crowds mm. and the applause and the number of healings that took place none of those is irrelevant look inside and see whether you are changing are you becoming a more kind person mm. more merciful patient more patient person are you becoming that person because that is what God is looking the other thing anybody can do what it is doing to you is it should not get like Saul. The crown did not fit his head. A little later he became vain, blowing the trumpet, building a monument for himself. Then when Jonathan brings success, makes a vow, nobody shall eat today and he shall die. All kinds of crazy because he cannot handle power. Okay. On the day of success he is fasting. When he should be fasting for the battle, he is eating. When he should be eating, he says fasting. Yes, he he's gone wonky. Totally wonky. Because it doesn't. It does the crown does not fit his head. Okay, but on David's head the crown fits. It fits because that's why God puts him through the ringer so that character is formed. Then he becomes king. And you will see that. How he deals with his enemies. How he deals with his enemies. So that's how you define success. Uh, I think there's another very close question. This is question number one. Uh, it says, uh, because you're talking about success and performance, etc. Um, Bible says, learn of me. And some of the modern type Christian of the hearty type tend to regard Christianity as a performance. They perform everywhere they go. How can you learn of Christ like that? How do Christians learn from the older ones? See, uh, this is a life lived out. Mm. He works in, we work, we work out. Mm. We cannot perform. Yep. Okay, we cannot perform. Yes. Because if we perform, we'll be, we'll be split. Ah. We'll be a, we'll be a double. Let us, let us understand this also. This is also a process. Mm. This is also a process. Okay? Let us use another illustration of sports. When you start playing badminton or cricket, you didn't become an expert. You learned. You learned. Many shots you missed. Many times you got out of the first ball. Then you learned. You learned. You learned. You become better and better and better and better. 
Okay. So Christianity is also an imitation of another life. So Paul will say, imitate me. Okay. Children imitate parents. You need to understand. Children don't hear. Mm. Like we hear. They hear, but they don't hear like they imitate. So we will see our babies and all. They, they say, hallelujah. They watch the parents. They lift their hands. They do all this. But they're not worshiping. They imitate it. They imitate. They're all imitators. The good, the bad, the ugly, they imitate it all. That's why parents have to be very, very careful before their children because they will imitate everything. They will repeat words without understanding its meaning. Okay, remember the little boy, the parents call the pastor for, uh, pastor for dinner and they ask the little boy to say grace. So the boy said, Father, uh, Almighty God, we thank you for the food that is being served before us. Thank you for daddy, mommy and the old goat who has come for dinner. Because that's how they used to refer the pastor in their house. <laughs> he didn't know what it meant. He just repeated what they used to say. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> okay. So this is what we need to understand. Okay, so that is why the Bible says we imitate. Okay, so there's so much... Um, what you call weight put on or burden God puts on older believers. Yes. Older believers. Okay, he says he expects because you know what? Younger ones are looking at the older ones. And the older ones have to learn to become consistent over time. The things of God come through practice. Okay? You see, the most important thing in the word of God is what? Love. Now you turn to 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 the letter to Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse 3 and verse 4. Or 2, 3 and 4. Okay. 3 and 4. Okay. Uh, the older men. Okay. Older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. So, the older men. First thing, be sober. Be reverent. Be temperate. Be sound in faith, in love, in patience. And going down. Older women, likewise. Okay, likewise in all these things, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers. Be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to too much wine. Teachers of good things. Look at verse 4. That they admonish the young men, admonish here means to teach, okay, mm-hmm. to love their husbands and to love their children. Meaning, we all need to learn to love. We think we all love. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. That is a fault. That is why they fell in love. That is not learning. That is a fall. We don't know how to love. We don't know how to love. Okay? We don't know how to love. And that's why Corinthians, Paul will write to the church in Corinthians when he talks about love. The Bible says, love is kind and suffers long. So younger women who are newly married should go to older women who have gone through this process and learned it. And says, I am going through this. I married. I thought he was like that, but he is not like that. And what do the older men say? Be kind. Be patient. Be patient. Love is kind. Love is kind. And you have to learn. Because you are all changing. You have to learn to suffer. So older men have to teach the younger one. Older women have to teach because we all think we know how to love. Love their husbands and to love their children. 
Okay, what happens is, what happens is, young parents don't know how to love their children because their emotions get get in. Because they look at my baby, so cute. So what happens when the baby is behaving wrongly? They don't discipline because they think by not disciplining, they are loving them. See, older ones have to tell them by not disciplining, you are not loving them. Hmm. To love them is to discipline discipline Mm -hmm. them because God disciplines whom he loves. But let me teach you how you discipline. One, don't discipline in anger. Don't discipline in anger. Discipline in love. Because if you discipline in anger, the child will get the wrong message. Discipline in love. Two, let your discipline be consistent. It should not be according to your moods. Otherwise, the child will not get the lesson. He will get the wrong lesson that when daddy is happy, I can do this, no problem. And daddy is upset, be very careful. Don't do it. So it's not getting, it's getting the wrong lesson that certain things can be done under certain circumstances. It is, he's not getting the lesson that certain things cannot be done under any circumstances. circumstances. So that is where older people have to teach the younger ones how to love their children, how to love their spouses. Okay, Older women have to teach, because older women have come through that process and you'll realize, you know what, that is how a man is. Mm. Get your romantic ideas all about and come to real life. <laughs> this is real life. This is what a man is. A man is not like us. We need to, the Bible tells, men need to live with their wives with understanding. Mm. So older women, older men has to tell, you know, the younger men, younger men are suddenly frustrated. I don't know. She's gone into a shell. She doesn't talk at all. I don't know how to get her out of that shell. Just she will come. Give it her time. Two days later, she'll come out of a shell. Don't say anything. Just leave it alone. Just be kind. They are like that. But she was not like that when I was courting. Yes, that's because you are courting. Now you are married. Okay, so older men will say, teach younger men how to handle women. Because at the core, everybody is the same. A woman is a woman, a man is a man. We may be different from Telangana, from Kerala, from America. At the core, everybody is the same. Okay, everybody. Okay, there's Adam and Eve. Okay, you are young, the blood is ancient. The DNA is ancient. It is flowing, shaped in iniquity, born in... It is the same. So, it has to be taught. What is the most important of these three things? Faith, hope and charity. The greatest is love. And God says you have to be taught how to love. Mm. You don't know what love is. You're taught what love is. You have to be taught. Do these things. Do these things. Because love does a lot of things. Love does not do a lot of things. That's why Corinthians 13 is the chapter in the entire universe, in the world. What is written under the heavens? What is love is Corinthians 13. It is given all there. So it has to be taught. This is not theory. This is practical. Because these things have to be learned. These things have to be learned. That's what the Bible is talking about. So when you go to that question back again, we have to learn these things. How does Christians learn from older ones? Now, let me tell you about that word older. Some people, when they celebrate their 15th wedding anniversary, it is not 50, it is 1. They just live the same life 50 times over. Mm. In that 50 years, they haven't changed, they haven't learned anything, they're still fighting like before. 
Because of other circumstances, they are staying together. That is the only thing. So older does not mean mature. You just grew old. You never grew up. There's a famous play of King Lear. And Barclay, I think, is the one who will say what King Lear is. That King Lear just grew old. He never grew up. He never grew up. Okay. Now, growing up and growing old are not the same. Everybody will grow old, but everybody won't grow up. Wow. In the kingdom of God, you have to grow up. You have to grow up. If you don't grow up, God will not entrust anything into your hands. Because when he is interesting, he is interesting souls. He doesn't entrust souls because you are old. Mm. doesn't interest because you are old. He enters souls into your hands because you have grown up. Grown up. That's what the Bible is. If you look at King Saul, he never grew up. He just grew old. And as he grew old, because he knew grew up, he became worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. worse. That is the nature of the flesh. If you do not put it to death, if you indulge in the flesh, as you grow older, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. After some time, he has no compunction to kill all the priests and their families and their children, priests of the living God. This man has no, because he's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. That's the problem. So it is not about being older. It is about growing up. Because some people who are older, you cannot send the young people to them because they will become worse. They will become worse. They will learn from the worst things which they did not have and they will sanction it thinking that if an older person can do it, I can also do it. So it is not the older person. It is the mature person. So that is what the Bible is talking about. That's why when it, in that portion, when we talked about the older, older person, mm-hmm. the instructions are first given to the older person, mm-hmm. not to the younger person. Go back to yes, Titus yes. 2. Right. It's first verse 2. It's the older person. What is it said to the older person? Okay, older, it's men, it, older men. Older men. First thing, be sober. sober. If the older man, every older man is called to teach the young man, but the older man is drunk half the time. What can he teach? He's also teaching. What is he teaching? Drunkenness is okay. So first thing, older women, you be likewise. What? Be sober. Be reverent. What is he telling the older woman? Be reverent. You must be somebody who treats your husband with reverence. Then only you can tease the young women to tease their husbands with reverence. But if you are irreverent, what will you tease the younger ones? So that's what he's talking about. Being sober, being reverent. You are temperate. Temperate. Temperate is the term which is used about self-control. Indulgence, yeah. Okay. Now let me tell you how important that word is. Go to First Corinthians chapter 7. First Corinthians chapter 7. Hmm? Okay. Read from verse 1 to 5. Corinthians 7, 1 to 5. Now concerning the things which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife. Let each woman have her own husband. Okay. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, and the husband does not, uh, does, and the likewise the husband does not have authority over his own body, and the wife does not. In verse 5, do not rip, de- deprive each other except with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again, so Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, take the sex part out. 
what is it says if you do not have self control satan will have to get you get you you have love peace joy everything but is held together by self control where self control is there the devil will play havoc with your life so this is the wherever the devil is mentioned in the letters of paul stop there and mark it because this is how the devil attacks you if you do not have self control any area no we are not even that's what is it's a general principle we are not talking talking human about sex here we're talking about food we are talking about good things good things okay that is why because children are born with just senses of the flesh pleasure oriented they are that is why the thumb goes in why are they sucking their thumb they are they are not sucking the thumb for milk but because they were drinking the milk the upper palate felt that sensation which was it was pleasurable mm. now the milk has gone the bottle has taken over they put their thumb in and they want that sensation to continue so they are pleasure oriented so when you are taking them to games if you play games with the child the child never wants to stop you have to tell the child very clearly as they grow up 30 minutes 40 minutes and that's it what are you teaching self control you have to teach or we have to learn self control in everything because the problem is if you don't per se the thing the child is doing or the man is doing in itself may not be bad at all it may be good but because you are now doing it for pleasure you shirk your duties in other things mm-hmm. and you are bound by duty and the call of duty is about everything, everything else. else yes 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 everything else. and these are things which you have to be very very careful about look i like reading i can read for days together if i want but if i keep reading and reading my bible for days together my family will suffer my family will suffer i was not called to read i was called to take care of my family and if my reading does not help my family my reading is in waste Now I am reading because I am indulging in my pleasure. I get so much. My wife is miserable. My children are miserable. Everybody is miserable. But I am reading my Bible. Leave me alone. I am fasting and praying for seven days. Did God ask you? No, I love praying. But is your praying actually helping you or somebody else? No. be very careful these are all virtues but a virtue itself can be a trap mm. can be a trap we have to be very very careful that is why the bible that's that that important i remember the day when god opened my eyes to verse 5 and he said i'm not talking to you about sex i'm talking to you about this satan will tempt everyone who does not know how to control himself in everything that's what the bible says paul will say in another chapter he says to be temperate in all things. things he doesn't say bad things good things all things we need to be temperate because for a good man he'll be destroyed by the good things not by the bad things he knows bad anyway he will reject the bad and says no but he will say yes to the good mm. and the good will destroy him because the only only hindrance to the excellent is the good You have to be very careful about these things because you need to remember in eternity when you stand before God, when you stand before God, I still remember the testimony of the world's 
largest church pastor called David Yongichi. He died, I think, yeah, he died last year. David Yongichi, the Korean church, so the largest. He had 50,000 deacons, so forget his church, how huge his church was. But he was praying, he was fasting, he was doing all, then God was not answering him at all. Nothing was happening. Then one day he asked God, Lord, why are you not answering? He says, because your wife is miserable. Just go home. He said, go home. Go spend time with your young wife. She's waiting for you. You go her, because if she is miserable, I am not going to answer your prayers. And her misery is genuine. You have neglected her. He said, go home. And he says, he says that was the turning point of his ministry. And people, people don't understand these things. These things are important things. That's where self-control comes. Self-control has to be there in bad things. Definitely. Not bad things. Self-control. Avoid it. Good things. We have to be very, very careful. Moderation. Everything in moderation. Be temperate in all these things. And the Bible says, you know what? The devil knows. Oh, he knows all of us. He's got his entire database on us. Better than us. After God, the one who knows us best is the devil. He knows us. And he knows every area we do not have self-control. He knows every area. And that's where he will come. And that's where we have to be led by the Spirit and be sensitive to the Spirit. The good things when God says, stop, stop. With my children, it is difficult because some days we'll decide, okay, we are going to watch a movie. Can I watch a movie? Okay, and we watch a movie. And I look at it. We'll watch the rest tomorrow. <laughs> oh, daddy. Bedtime. <laughs> oh, daddy, please. Can you watch now? No. It's a VCR. <laughs> the cassette is there. It is not going to run away. Tomorrow morning, when we have time, we'll watch the rest. But what is your bedtime? It's your bedtime. You know what? You are trying to teach them how to control. Mm. You can, you can postpone the pleasure. You can postpone the pleasure. So the, one of the first things as parents we didn't learn, but we have to teach our children from our mistakes is self-control. There are certain pleasures which has to be postponed, which should not be indulged now because this is not the time. And you know where it begins with? It begins with two things. Food and entertainment. Food and entertainment. Be very careful about these things. Food and entertainment. Because that's how they were created. They were created with senses. That's mm. all they have. And they have no self-control. So who, do, who has God given? He has given them two parents who will control them. The problem is the parents don't have self-control. The children will grow up with without self-control. So what do we do? We make life easy for ourselves and in the process, we destroy them. So you look at a modern day home. What do we do to make the child eat fast? Show them the video. Not just the video part. We change the food. We yeah. move the food from healthy to unhealthy. Mm. Unhealthy is all got to do with taste. Healthy does not usually have much taste. But in the process, we have destroyed their taste buds for a lifetime. And they fall ill when they are young. Why is young people so ill now? So much illness. You know what? They have grown up on unhealthy diet. 
unhealthy diet. Do you know who fed them? The parents fed them. Do you know why the parents fed them? Because they did not have the patience. They don't have the patience. Mm. Add a little sugar. Add a little this. Add a little that. Finish it so fast. Why did the child finish it? Because it was health? Because it was good? No. Okay, that's how we end then. All the other stuff. Okay, all the other stuff we add on to it. Everything is. It is not for the child. It is not because the child, of course, did not have self-control. God made the child without self-control. The problem was the parents did not have self-control. And on top of that, we pile our day with other activities. And in the process, the whole thing falls apart. And that is Mr. Solomon. At the end of the day, looking back and says, empty, empty. My life is empty. Yes, Pastor Vijay. I think there was a theological question. Yeah. Also, yeah? But, but one last question before we can stop, Pastor. I, think, I don't know if you have the time uh, to do the other one. Uh, this is question number three because, again, we're talking about pleasure, etc. Yeah. Something related to wine. Matthew tells us in the Gospel that when the Lord had been led to Golgotha, where he was to be crucified, they gave him wine to drink, wine okay. mingled with gall. And when he tasted it, he would not drink. Why should he refuse the drink? He knew it was not good, right? Okay. Matthew and chapter 27. 27. Okay. He knew it was not good, right? Did he not know that before he drank it, he was God? Verse 48. Okay. Yeah. 27, 48. 27. 27, okay. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with the reed, sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. And 49. 50. Okay. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Okay. The reason is because he was saying, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabastani, and from down they heard it as Elijah. They thought he was calling for Elijah. Okay. Somebody tried to bring him. What did he do? He brought a sponge. Okay. He brought a sponge. That verse 48. Okay. And that's when he dies. Okay. Verse 48. Now, immediately one of them ran, took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it him to drink. Now, if you go to the gospel according to John, gospel according to John, we will see there, hmm, the gospel according to John, words, chapter 19 and words 29. Look, let's read from verse 28. Because we have to read it in order. Okay, read it in order. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a hyssop, and put it to his mouth. mouth. Okay, and verse 30. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, you need to understand, in Matthew 27, he doesn't drink. Doesn't say he drank. In John 19, he drinks. And he dies. Now, let us go to Mark. Luke, if I am right, does not mention it. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 15. In verse 23. 
22-23. Okay. Then they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place on a skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. Take it. He did not take it. Now come to verse 36. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on his reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And verse 37. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and breathed his love. So the thing is that we need to realize he was offered wine twice. Twice. First time he refused because it was the beginning of his suffering. He had to go through the entire suffering without being what he called his senses being dulled by wine mixed with myrrh. It is more like an anesthetic. Mm. But the father had told him to drink. He had to go through the complete suffering ordained by the father. So in the beginning when he was given, he refused to drink. He refused to drink. Go back to Mark 23. 15, 23 and 24. Then they gave him wine mingled with what? To drink, but he did not take it. That would have made him numb, kind of numb. And then they crucified him. He would not have felt that pain so much. But he said, no. I don't want any anesthesia. You can cut me open. Straight away surgery without anesthesia because that's my father's will. Okay? Mm. Now go to John. Gospel according to John. Given with his soap. Mm. Okay? Gospel according to John in chapter 19, 19 and verse 28 and 29 and 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, and the scripture has been fulfilled. Because this is from the psalm, David's psalm, okay? He knows everything has been accomplished. Meaning, Father's plan has been finished. He's gone through the whole hours of suffering, hanging on the cross, the suffering, the course, his soul has been poured as a sacrifice. As a, everything has been, now scripture has to be fulfilled. The scripture is that, so David will say, I thirst. Okay, he thirsts. Then he will say, I thirst. Now his suffering is over. They gave him the wine. He drinks it. Look the next thing. Put it into his mouth. It is finished. And verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Bowing, he said, he gave up his spirit. So even when it comes to drinking the wine, he's very careful to fulfill. (laughs) Absolute (laughs) self-control. Even there, no. This is my father's will and it has to be done in a particular way. Not just doing the will of God, doing the will of God in God's way. It has to be done in a particular way. If I take wine and mud in the beginning, then I don't feel the pain. But that's not what the father said. That's not what the father said. This is the way I have to go through so that I share in the pain of humanity. So humanity will know that I shared in the pain, the consequences of sin. Because he has become sin for us. But at the end, when it is all over, he said, it is finished. And then for scripture to be fulfilled, they bring it. He takes it, bows his head, and he dies. That's how it works out. So even there, you will see, that was a man. (laughs) Even on the cross. Even on the cross. You are so conscious about the yes, the will of God is absolutely conscious on the will of fulfilling not just the will of God, though in the ways of God. Because okay, how has God the ways of God? 
The will of God is also in the Bible. The ways of God also we discover in the Bible. God does things in certain ways. And there is sometimes a consistency about it. That how it did. Okay. You will see that. And it has to be there. Mm. Okay. That's what Moses understands. The will of God. It is to take the people from here to here. But he doesn't know how. Mm. He says, I know. But my ways are Egyptian. Yes. And I know your people cannot be led in the ways of Egyptian ways. It has to be done in the, so there is, there is something which is, what, which we do with our spiritual life alone. Which has to be done God's. But when you go into the secular realm, it is different. Be careful. Don't be foolish in these things. About the secular realm, Jesus said something. He said, be wise as a serpent. Wise as a serpent. But be gentle as a dove. Be wise as a serpent. Don't be wild like them. Be wise. As a serpent. I'll tell you what it exactly means. Do you see the world prospering? The people in the world prosper? Do you know what it is? The wisdom of the serpent. He says, be smart. Learn from them. Learn from them. If you are an IT professional, you want to learn software, don't go to your pastor. He can't teach you that. Go to a software specialist. Learn from them. They are smart. But don't be wild like them. Don't go. Be gentle as a dove. Your father is your provider. He has a plan and purpose for you. But a lot of people in the kingdom of God who work in the secular realm are not wise like the serpent. They are not good in what they are doing. You don't learn that from the Bible. You learn that in that field. That's what God says. Learn from them. Learn. Be smart like them. Learn. Be good in what you are doing. Be excellent in that. Be good. Learn. Put in the effort. Learn. Acquire degrees. If that's where God has put you, be good there. Learn from them. Look at them, how they are prospering. Your prayer and fasting is not going to bring you prosperity over there. It's your skill that is going to make you prosperous over there. Learn from the serpent. When you are, you stand before your employee, he doesn't want to know whether you fast and pray. He wants to know whether you have the skills which he needs. He says, learn from the serpent. Be wise as the serpent. But don't be like them. Career, 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 dog eat dog, trample everybody down to reach the top. No, be gentle as a dove. Mm. Your gentleness should be known that you are not that way. They will know. You are excellently qualified in what you are doing because you have worked hard to acquire those skills. But when they look at you, they will realize you are not somebody who tramples upon somebody else. You have space for everybody. In your team, you may be the best when it comes to your talent, but you are completely different when it comes to your character. You are not somebody who hides, who doesn't help anybody, who is slandering somebody, who is licking the boss's boot. You are not doing anything like that. You are there for everybody mm. else. That's what he means. Because a lot of people don't get this picture. Because if you are in the secular realm, and that's where God has put you, be wise as the serpent. Wise as the serpent. Because the entire Babylon is built on the wisdom of the serpent. He says, be wise. Be good. Acquire your skills. Work hard. Keep on adding these things on to you. But when it comes to behavior, be gentle as doubts. And Paul will write in the letter to the Philippians, he says, let your gentleness be evident because the Lord is near. So he's still basically telling us people who go to work in the world, be smart, be excellent, but be gentle because you need to realize your boss ultimately is God, mm. not the man who's sitting in the desk. It is God. Be gentle in your behavior so that they will realize this man is as good as anybody else when it comes to his working skills. 
But when it comes to his behavior, he's completely different. Again, that is Joseph. When it comes to his workings, I'm telling you, Joseph was an excellent learner. In Potiphar's house, he was learning administration, how to run everything. Very good. So Potiphar writes, wow, this guy is good. But what is different was not just his working skills. was Also, he as a person was different. And that you see everywhere he is different. That it is so difficult for him even to pretend to be a rough man. So he has to get up inside and go cry. Because he's trying to pretend to be rough with his brothers, speaking through a translator in Egyptian to Hebrew. But his heart is breaking for them <laughs> because he wants them to come to repentance and come to the saving knowledge as we would put today. He's not a rough man. He's a very gentle person. Okay, So you will see he's the best in Egypt. And he's a Hebrew. Mm. Yet on the other side, he's the gentlest of people also in Egypt. And that is the balance which God is talking about. This is the balance which we need to get. And so when we look at Jesus, that is Jesus. Why is as a serpent? <laughs> Gentle as a dove. Gentle as a dove. Okay, he's absolutely wise. He can see through anything and anything. You get him to do anything, he will do it excellent. If wood would last 2,000 years, you can be absolutely sure the tables and the chairs which he made would be still around. The Romans hadn't burned it. He would have been an excellent master worker. He would have watched and learned from his father to be excellent in what he did. But when it comes to human relationship, he was the kindest, the most compassionate, gentle, merciful, uncompromising savior. You have to put that at the end. All this does not mean you need to compromise, but he was the kind that people flocked around him. And people felt safe around him. And they could spend, even the worst of sinners would be reassured in his presence. But he never compromised. And that is what God wants us all to be. So we have pictures in the Old Testament. We have pictures of Jesus Christ. We have people in the New Testament who became like that. Paul and all became John. All became like that. And that's what God is talking about. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we shall stop there. Yes, we can stop there. So see you all tomorrow if the Lord tarries to come tonight. I don't know whether I want him to tarry sometimes. Sometimes I say, okay, tarry, I haven't finished my race yet. <laughs> but <laughs> Honestly, you look into this world, there is no more fun anymore. Fun is gone out of this yeah, yeah. world. Our times, honestly, we enjoyed life, okay? Because sports was sports, games were games, there was no entertainment, there was no industry, There was it was not commerce. When we played cricket, we played a good day's cricket, went down, licking our swords and talking about it, went, okay? And both teams were friends. No issues at all. We never watched TV. Everything was fun. Whatever we played, we enjoyed. From cards to chess to bandwidth to football to cricket, everything we played, we enjoyed it. But we didn't build idols. We didn't go buy cricket kits and cricket costumes, nothing. Everything is merchandise. Everything we made it, our, including the cricket mm. ball, we made it with our hands. You know, we wait for the day when the roads are being tarred. Mm. And we managed to get a ball of tar. Mm. Then we looked for a fellow who has an extra pair of old socks. 
And we put it into that socks and we tied it and turned it around, stitched, stitched until it was an excellent cricket ball we made. And of course the great coconut tree was there to make the bats. Boy, did we enjoy cricket. <laughs> Those were fun because you did your own thing. It was not like they're sitting in a couch and sitting and watching. No, nobody wanted to do that. <laughs> nobody wanted to watch. Everybody wanted to play. And we played, we came back. But look at life, you look at around, everything has been commercialized. What is not commercialized? Everything is commercialized. But, but the, the very con- the Even con- the ministry has been commercialized. Common common word that is used in if you go to any YouTube channel. Uh, we finished everything here. Now this is a, this thing. There's, there's a word that you use. If you want to buy, we have a merch. <laughs> M-E-R-C-H. Merch. <laughs> merch. <laughs> you can buy our t-shirts. You can buy this. You can buy that. Everything That's why that first question about performance. Even ministry has become performance. Merchant. Everything is being sold. Mm. Basically, it's, it's being sold. There is There seems to be no... No... You may struggle to find genuine people anywhere, right? Everybody seems to be selling because the sportsman you see is under enormous pressure, pressure because he's got brands behind him and he has to sell himself. He's not just playing a game, not playing. He's under pressure to sell a product. He's not playing for India. He's playing for Pepsi because Pepsi owns him. Everybody has everything. So in the same way, Ministry also has become that. Everybody is, is selling themselves over there. Okay. And when you meet somebody genuine around there and you feel, okay, okay genuine around there, you'll say, okay, this seems to be, you need seems to be different from the rest. But that's what God called us to be. Be genuine. Be different. You're not under the pressure of the world. You don't have to perform. You have to be the best you can be, but you don't have to perform. But it will only happen. Again, I have to bring that. It will happen. If you meet God first in the day, mm. every day, mm. you meet him first, come down that your spiritual mountain or wilderness or deserted place, you come down from there after meeting God. Fine. You will be good that. The pressure will come. Pressure will keep on coming, building, building. It's not going to lessen, let me tell you. Even if it lessens, it will be only for a season. But it's going to build up, build up, build up, build up, build up. Pressure is going to come. Unbelievable pressure is going to come. Get this habit, lifelong habit of meeting God first. You will not be able to handle pressure otherwise. What gives you the pressure? That's what you know, that's the, the, the question asked by that person about, you know, you come out empty. You may think you are empty, but you have met God, you are full, though you may feel empty. Draw a blank. Mm. You will not draw a blank. Mm. You will not draw a blank. blank. Even if nothing happens, you still come through Mm. because you met your God. Mm. You think you are empty. It is written for us, God was with Joseph. But I don't think God, Joseph knew God was with him. (laughs) Yeah. Those 13 whole years. It is written for our endurance mm-hmm. and our strengthening, our comfort. God was with Joseph. But many were the nights when Joseph thought he was all alone. And he just despaired. Paul himself will really be despaired of life, life. itself. In, when he was floating in the ocean going nowhere, he said, we had given up. God hadn't given up on them. That is the difference. We may give up. God hasn't given up. And therefore, Joseph came through. Because if what is written, God was with him, is Joseph's reality. Why would he want to get out of prison? And telling the um, cupbearer, put a word for me. 
I don't want to go. God is with me. You know? That's not his reality. Mm. It's not his reality. But that is the truth. God is. So even if I come empty today or tomorrow, if I have met God, I have done what I am called to do. Go to my prayer closet. Give God the best part of my time, my tithes, daily tithes to Him, mm. and come down. It does not matter what happens. I may feel empty, I may feel down, I may just think, but the fact is that God is with me. God is with me. And God is with everyone. Mm. Okay. Because that is the truth. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay, that is the truth. And we stand on that truth. Even if I don't feel today, he will never lie. God is not a man that he should lie. He will never lie. Mm. Never lie. So even if I feel nothing, I will still stand on the truth. He is with me. He is with me. Okay. These are things saints have struggled for thousands of years. The question, when God is silent, what do you do? When God is silent, what do you do? Answer you do what you always do. Mm. Because he's silent does not mean he's absent. Don't confuse silence and absence. Even when he is silent, he's present. Silent. In the like let me close with this illustration. In the Red Indian tribes, American, they call it American Indian tribes, you know, these tribes. There is this day when this boy matures and becomes a man becomes a man. He matures and becomes a man. The process in certain tribes was that this boy is taken to the jungle in the night and his eye is tied Mm. and he has to sit through the night sitting there with all the sounds of the wild animals and the prowling and the jaguars and all the whatever all that he has to come through the night with blindfolded without breaking it and running home. Then you know he has become prepared, ready to become a warrior. That is the rights. And he comes through the night without realizing behind him his, his father, father is standing. Always there, mm. always there standing. Mm. Okay. And that's what we need to realize. We may think we are going through life blindfolded, not knowing where we are going. But our father is behind us all the way. Mm. He may be silent, but he's never absent. Never, ever absent. It is something God will not do. Because you can stand on his word. If he said, I will not leave you, he will not leave us. Amen? Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay, let us pray. Yes, Pastor. Okay, Pastor. Okay, Father God, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We want to end this night on that note. You will never leave us, nor forsake us. Therefore, your word says, let your life be free from Covetousness. We don't need to covet anything Mm. or what belongs to anybody Mm. because we have you. The sum total of what life is. You are our life and you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Father. All of us can go home safely, have our dinner, go to sleep. And sleep without fear, without worry, without anxiety. Knowing you are there right with us. Yes. For the God of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. He watches over his people. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Come into your church here on this part of the globe as we enter into the night. 
of finishing the night, and the other side, a new day breaking. Everywhere, Lord, you are the same God watching over your people. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord, that your eyes are upon us. The eyes of God is upon the sparrow. How much more they are upon his own children. We just want to thank you, Father. Just say once again, we love you, Father. We love you. Thank you, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Calls me to come to thy river, O Lord. Calls me to come to thy river, O Lord. Calls me to come to thy river, O Lord. Calls me to come. Cause me to drink And cause me to live Cause me to drink From thy river, O Lord Cause me to drink From thy river, O Lord Cause me from thy river, O Lord, cause me to come, cause me to drink, cause me to